Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. He gets so crazy at times. It sounds like... You yell back at your radio. What are you talking about? What the hell? He gets so angry. You tweet to try and calm him down. Now, he gets an hour all to himself. It's Sparky's Midday Madness on the fan with Steve Sparky Pfeiffer. Welcome in. It is Sparky's Midday Madness for the next hour. Then that guy you just heard in that last promo, Bart Winkler, returns. Yeah, Bart Winkler show in the morning. Bart Winkler show in the afternoon. Rami Makloff is off to tailgate and partake in some drinking of beverages at the Brewers game tonight. So if you see him, say hi. Yeah, you enjoy some fan interaction from those of you that listen to uh, the Rami show weekday afternoons from 3 to 6. So Rami will be out tailgating uh, before the game tonight at American Family Field. Bart Winkler being nice enough to pull double duty and fill in for Rami from 3 to 6 this afternoon, which will be a nice treat for those people that listen in the afternoon because... Some people that listen in the afternoon because of their work schedule, whatever, can't listen in the morning or can't listen to the big show in the middle of the day, uh, but they can listen in the afternoon drive. So those people that normally don't get treated to Bart Winkler during the morning now can be treated to Bart Winkler uh, in the afternoon today from 3 to 6. Coming up on today's show, got a couple guests all lined up. Dick Girardi comes up uh, here in about uh, 15 minutes or so, coming courtesy of betonline.ag. Dick Girardi, a long-time uh, national horse racing reporter and columnist for the Philadelphia Daily News. And uh, looking forward to talking to him about the Preakness Stakes uh, coming up tomorrow afternoon. You can hear the Preakness Stakes right here on the fan. Uh, that broadcast starts at 4 o'clock tomorrow afternoon. 4 o'clock tomorrow afternoon, Preakness Stakes right here on 1250 AM. The fan uh, as uh, the cheater. Yeah, I'm going to call it horse a cheater. Medina Spirit, the cheater, will try to get the second jewel of the Triple Crown. I'm not quite sure how, and the, you know, this whole process, they could pull the win from Medina Spirit, is my understanding, like a couple months from now or something stupid. But for the time being, Medina Spirit is still the winner of the Derby. We'll try to win now the second race uh, coming up with the Preakness Stakes. Now, the next horse, odds-wise, is Concert Tour. That's the next favorite horse. That's the one that Ryan Horvath likes. And that one is also trained by Bob Baffert, who trains both of them. So hopefully neither one wins, but we'll talk more to, about that with Dick Girardi. Then another special treat at 2.30-ish, somewhere in that area, Marcus Handel, the former Brewers bullpen catcher, will join us on Sparky's Midday Madness. Looking forward to getting his thoughts on Corbin Burns. Uh, his thoughts on Brandon Woodruff, Freddie Peralta. You know, he's been around all of these guys. His thoughts on Josh Hader, having been out there with Josh Hader for uh, a number of years, too. So we'll talk with Marcus Handel coming up 
uh, in about uh, 25 minutes or so from right now here on Sparky's Midday Madness. Uh, earlier this afternoon uh, on the NFL Network, they had so many guys on. They had Dave Yost on. Uh, we played some of that for you on the Wendy's Big Show. And Dave Yost is the former offensive coordinator uh, for Utah State. So he was the offensive coordinator for Jordan Love's huge monster season his sophomore year. Then he left, as did a bunch of seniors and juniors that that left. And then a bunch of guys got hurt. They brought Gary Anderson in, and Jordan Love wasn't the same quarterback his junior year prior to the Packers drafting. But he was on NFL Network because he also was the coach of Justin Herbert his first year at Oregon, the quarterback's coach. Uh, so that was really good stuff. We played that earlier. Then, after they talked to Dave Yost, uh, within the next hour or so after that, then they bring on former Packers head coach Mike Holmgren. And he gets to come on and talk. Uh, and Mike Holmgren, uh, right away on NFL Now, uh, of course, they got him on not to talk about you know the NFL schedule. They got him on to talk about this Aaron Rodgers drama with the Green Bay Packers. Well, I think it is absolutely fixable. I think if what I'm reading is true, the Packers don't want to trade him, then Aaron has a then Aaron has a decision to make. They either and the organization either changes his contract or does whatever they have to do to keep him, or you know, Aaron, and he loves playing. And you can tell he loves playing. He loves his teammates. He can still play at a very, very, very high level. And uh, I just I just see him playing there for the Green Bay Packers next year. And I, I, I trust and I hope that they can bridge the gap and kind of make things work. But I think he's going to be there playing next year. Anybody else curious about something? Anybody else curious how everybody's using the word fixable? Lately, James Jones used it. John Kuhn used it. Mike Holmgren's using it. It's like the word that everybody is deciding to use right now in this whole deal is it. it's fixable. Now, Holmgren there, he brings up the contract, guaranteeing money and so forth. John Kuhn brought up the contract as well in NFL Network about how he believes if they just guarantee him more money, maybe doesn't even need an extension, just guaranteeing him more money on his deal, that would get the deal done. But the initial report was they offered to do that in the restructure, and he told them he wanted an extension instead, and they told him, no, not at this point. And Roger said, all right, cool. And no, I'm not restructuring. And then after that is when he decided he didn't want to play anymore. But then there was the report, uh, as well from Mike Garofalo of NFL Network, last week I think it was, that said Rodgers had his mind made up last year last fall before the season started that he wasn't coming back after this upcoming season. It was apparently allegedly telling free agents, according to Mike Garofalo's sources from the NFL network. So all of that goes into this. Now, Holmgren goes on to talk about how this never should have gotten to this point. Well, where do we go from here is, is, uh, is a tough one. I, I, and I, I trust I would never have let it get to this point. You have a star quarterback, uh, a great player who still has a really good years ahead of him, I think, to play. And eventually you're going to have to replace him uh, like they did when they replaced Favre with, with, with Aaron. But <clears throat> you involve him, at least talking to him about how long he's going to play. Do you, you, you just work it out so you don't get to this particular situation. Now, I don't know the ins and outs. I haven't talked to anybody back there about what was actually done or said to whom or whatever. But I hope they work it out. I, I love watching Aaron Rodgers play. He should finish his career with the Packers, in my opinion. And the Packers should understand that. And if it means 
a new contract, a little more money, whatever. They make a lot of money now, but a little more money. <laughs> I would do that because uh, a quarterback like Aaron Rodgers <laughs> every every day. So there's Holmgren talking about the situation. I just it keeps coming back to my brain here, right? So. Leroy and, and Gary Ellerson have, have told the story before. At, I think it was a Packer Hall of Fame dinner, whatever the case was. Uh, I think it was the Brett Favre one, when, when Favre won in the Packer Hall of Fame. How the way the seating ended up being and how everybody was sitting together was they kind of had the airs kind of all separated. So you kind of like had the Holmgren guys, the Favre guys there, and then the McCarthy and the Ted guys were in the back of the room because obviously he shared both. So, But they were kind of separated I'm thinking in my brain right now, like, how is this going to play? Because Rodgers didn't appear to be on the same page as McCarthy, everybody said, before this was all done. He didn't apparently get along with everybody that was on his team either, whether it be Finley and Jennings and had his run-ins. Now, Finley, I think they had kind of fixed that by the end, but Finley has come out against him since then. Uh, Jennings has had his stuff to say as well, so... When Rodgers goes into this Packer Hall of Fame, which is a given, obviously, I just wonder how that's all going to work. Because if you're having a falling out with the current staff, you didn't get along all that great with the previous staff. Like, I, yeah, I don't even know. I do not even know. At least with Favre, he got along with Holmgren and Wolf, and those were all his guys. And, you know, Andy Reid and Gruden, and those were his guys. They all supported him. He was mad at the current regime at that point. Uh, so, th- therefore, the separation to a certain degree. Uh, but with Rodgers here, he, he feels like he's kind of been mad at everything he's been around since he's been in Green Bay. He's had something to nitpick about or be mad about or hold a grudge about uh, for, for quite some time now. So you just wonder how that all plays out going forward. Uh, then uh, Mike Holmgren still uh, wasn't done on NFL Now and NFL Network. Then he got into talking about Far v. Rogers and the difference. It's a different game now. It's, it's uh, the room is different, the uh, social media and everything goes on now. Nothing's kept secret and the number and the contracts are so big that I would hope that, uh, that they could work it out, but I would not change anything in the room. And I would tell the quarterback coach that, um, you know, get them ready to play, teach them. That's your job. That is the one aspect Favre had a lot that he had to go through. I feel like Rodgers is even even more of a pressure cooker because of how much social media has exploded since when Brett went through this. That's obviously part of it. But you hear Andrew Brand talk to former VP when he was on, talking about, you know, massaging the agents of Rodgers, or not Rodgers, of, of Brett Favre and of Aaron Rodgers. And, you know, if he was in uh, on a road trip with the Packers and that happened to be where an agent was for one of them, he'd call him, hey, let's have drinks, let's talk, hang out. And you build those personal relationships and you try to keep the agents happy because if the agents are happy, they can control the players, right? And that was kind of Andrew Brandt's job. And, again, I haven't heard anybody bring this up, but other than me, Russ Ball. Somebody want to find out what Russ Ball's been doing for the last year? Like, where is Russ Ball in all of this? So they draft him. You know Aaron Rodgers can't be all that happy. I don't know about Jordan Love, but now going through all this, you'd have to mention Jordan Love's agent is like, are you guys, what's going on here? Like, we need to know what's going on as well. Jordan needs to know. I need to know what what all is going on. 
was there some massaging behind the scenes of telling Aaron Rodgers how great he is, telling Aaron Rodgers you're the guy, you're you're our guy, we're going forward with you. Jordan Love's not playing anytime in the near future. You're our guy. Like, was any of that going on throughout the course of the year at all? Now, you can say as you're listening to Sparky's Midday Madness, you're nuts. Like, he's a grown man. He doesn't need that. Maybe. But it's appreciated, especially when you're at that level and you play that position and your replacement's in that room and you're trying to get him to where you need to get him to, Rodgers, before you move on to Jordan Love. Because if that stuff wasn't being done, whether it's through the coaching staff, whether it be through the front office and Russ Ball and Murphy and Goody constantly praising and patting Rodgers on the back, and da, 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 if all of that wasn't being done throughout the year, then you screwed up. You screwed up. And now you're in the situation you're in where now, to be honest with you, you look rather pathetic uh, from a national perspective. You know, I want him back in the worst way. We got to have Aaron. I don't know what we're going to do without him. He's our guy. All this stuff. Now you're just begging and pleading. And now, again, we're going to talk about this on Monday on the big show as far as who looks worse. I mean, the 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 – the Packers organization, what they've been brought to in all of this, because their quarterback, Jordan Love, is not ready. They know it, Love knows it, and Rodgers knows it. And that's why Rodgers has the leverage he has right now, because he knows they can't go to him. Now, if he would have waited a year to do this, a couple of different things. One, his cabinet number drops all the way to $17 million, drops $22 million. A lot easier to trade Aaron Rodgers next year than it is this year. Plus, if Jordan Love does look good in preseason and if Rodgers ends up getting dinged up and can't play a half or can't play a game and Love looks good, well, now he's got absolutely no leverage. And all the leverage is in the Packers' standpoint from a contract uh, percep- uh, contract standpoint and from a fan pers- uh, perspective and everything else if Love looks that good. Rodgers can't play the, well, I'm not going to play anymore. I'm taking my ball and going home. Because if Love looks good, the fans are going to be like, all right, dude. Well, whatever. See ya. Jordan Love looks pretty good to us. We'll, we'll see what happens with Jordan Love. We got enough talent around him. I think we'll be fine. But because it's the unknown and because everybody hasn't seen this kid play in an NFL game yet, preseason or regular season, now you get the perception that Aaron Rodgers wants you to have, which is they're screwed without me. They can't do it without me. I'm the best. Pat me on the back. Tell me how great I am. That's That's where you're at. And that's why I think he holds the leverage in this situation. And clearly he does based on how pathetic the Packers are looking in the media right now, pandering, trying to get Aaron Rodgers back. All right, coming up next, we'll talk some horse racing, some prickness stakes with Dick Girardi. And then after that, Marcus Handel, former bull bullpen coach for the Milwaukee Brewers, will join us. Sparky's Midday Madness here. On the fan. Welcome back. Sparky's Midday Madness here on The Fan. Rami show coming up uh, from 3 until 6. Bart Winkler filling in for Rami. You're not going to want to miss that. Coming up in the next segment, we'll talk with Marcus Hanel, uh, the former Brewers bullpen coach. Looking forward to talking with him. Joining us now, courtesy of betonline.ag, he is Dick Girardi, longtime uh, horse uh, racing reporter and columnist for the Philadelphia Daily News. He joins us on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline. Thanks for coming on. Appreciate it. Absolutely. How are you? I, I'm tr- I, I'm good. I'm just very confused, right? So <laughs> Aren't we all? <laughs> just to give you a little background. So I used to be a yep. uh, track announcer at a Greyhound Park here in Wisconsin for, I don't okay. know what it was, seven to ten years, something like that. And yep. 
every year on the Kentucky Derby, you know, we'd fill the place more than we would any other time of the year, and we'd put it up on the speakers. Everybody would listen. And then sure. for the Preakness, we'd pack it again. And then if, you know, the Kentucky Derby winner doesn't win the Preakness, uh, then the Belmont, you know, wouldn't be all that busy, which is understandable. Right. Now, yep. here I am doing Sports Talk Radio. We're carrying the Preakness race tomorrow here on the fan uh, and looking forward to hearing it. But I really do not understand how this whole thing plays out from the aspect of Medina Spirit wins the race, fails a drug mm-hmm. test, and yep. still is deemed the winner. And now, as they promote it, is running for the second jewel of the Triple Crown. Oh, but wait, maybe not, because maybe in a month or two after they review this, maybe <laughs> Medina Spirit won't be the winner. I don't get it. Yeah, I, I understand, uh, especially for people that don't follow the sport on a day-to-day basis and are tuning in and just say, hey, Derby winner fails positive drug, fails drug test. They figure, well, that's the end of the story, right? Right. But it's not. Uh, it's complicated because of the rules of the sport. So what happens in this circumstance is the owner and the trainer of Adidas Spirit get an option to essentially get what we would call a second opinion. They get to send out a, a split of the blood sample to another lab and make sure that lab confirms what the first lab does. That takes several weeks. Then if it confirms the positive, which happens almost every time, then they'll hold a hearing in Kentucky, at which time they'll make a decision after listening to evidence, different people, whether the horse gets disqualified from the derby or not. But in the meanwhile, let's say let's say you ban the horse from the Preakness, okay? And then in a couple of weeks they decide, hell, we're not going to disqualify the horse from the derby. That's why he's being allowed to run, because you don't know the result of this whole thing. And it, there probably is a better way to do this, but unfortunately, that's the system we're dealing with at the moment. But again, like you said, outsider perspective, right? It's good for sure. business not to make a decision until after the Preakness race. Well, yeah, I don't know that it's. I don't know that it matters one way or another for business. It's obviously better for the. Yeah, no, you're right. It's better to have a game of spirit than not to have it. Right. But I don't think that's anything anybody thought of as a business way. It's just the way the rules are written. Everybody gets a. The owner and trainer get a second shot at it, just in case the first lab messed up, and that's fair. I don't have a problem with that. But the problem is when. Normally, when it happens, it doesn't happen in the middle of the Triple Crown. It's the first time since 1968 we've had a positive in the Derby. Um, so that's that's the problem. If it's in a normal race, then you just hold up the purse and, until such time as it's adjudicated. But this obviously is anything but normal. Okay, so now I'm going to take this sport and I'm going to compare it to NASCAR, right? Because uh-huh. I know something about NASCAR. I did a NASCAR show for uh, like 15 years. So yep. when we talk about NASCAR and you get caught cheating in NASCAR, right? The the driver gets penalized, uh, gets fined, maybe gets suspended. The crew chief, uh, who also will get fined and possibly suspended, and the owner, depending on how severe it is, they may get their hand slapped as well. From this yep. perspective, Bob Baffert, superstar uh, trainer uh, to the stars of the horse racing world, how does he come out in all of this? Well, to be determined, um, let's say they, the commission and the stewards in Kentucky decide that um, they're guilty, right, that the horse is going to get disqualified. So the purse is $1.8 million. The owner will forfeit the purse. Baffert gets 10% of that. He'll forfeit 180000 They'll also, by rule, get suspended for two weeks and, and have another fine, depending on how much they want to do. But that, that rule is pretty specific. This is his second such violation for this particular drug within a year. Um, so that that's basically the rules are kind of set depending on what you did on how long you're going to get. But he won't get suspended 
for, you know, the Triple Crown races next year as a penalty, or he won't get suspended for the Belmont race or anything like that. That's correct. And, you know, it's a, it's a great point you bring up um, because probably that's something they need to look into. And, there, and the fact, there's going to be a national drug testing uh, uh, new deal coming in in, in the next, with probably uh, in the, by the summertime of next year. Um, and, and once that comes in, I think that's going to change the way people look at it. But, yeah, because that's the way you should penalize them. All right, here's what you did wrong. You can't run in the derby, something like right. that. But that is not how it is now. Now it's just 15 days as soon as you, you could basically conserve it uh, 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 when once they make their ruling, you can then serve it at that time. But yeah, you're right. It's one thing to serve it, say, in the middle of just an example, the middle of January, versus not being able to run a horse in a Kentucky Derby. I think I, I hadn't thought of what you said, but I think it's a great point. I think it's a great thing they should look at that in the future. And I think that makes sense. And maybe the the rule that is in place stays in place outside of the three big races. Uh, there and maybe you add the Breeders' Cup to it, so maybe it's the four four big races. I like, yeah, no, I, I think it makes a lot of sense. It's a great column off the right. I, I really, it's a really good idea. All right, so let, let's move on here because Medina Spirit is still the favorite in this race coming up tomorrow. Concert Tour is the other one, and that's another Baffert horse. That is correct. Uh, he was actually the favorite in the uh, Arkansas Derby. Ran third. They passed on the Kentucky Derby. They were so disappointed with how he ran. Uh, but so yeah, Baffert will have two out of the ten tomorrow. And may have the two favorites, depending on, you know, ultimately, you know, the betters will decide who the favorite is. Um, but, yeah, right now he's got the favorites one, two. It's interesting. In the very, very early betting, um, Baffert's actually the – he's the second and third choice. Uh, right now, Midnight Bourbon is the favorite in the race. But that's real early. There's very little money in the pool yet. So for those novices that uh, don't follow horse racing, what's going to be the difference as far as – what horses tend to do well maybe at the Preakness that don't tend to do as well at the Derby? Right, so it, the race is a little bit shorter. It's 110 yards shorter. So just you know, just think a football field that ends uh, um, in the Preakness. There's three horses running that were in the Derby that are now in the Preakness, only three out of the 19. Uh, Medina Spirit, you know about. Uh, me, uh, hang on a second, I'm losing track. Keep me in mind. And uh, Midnight Bourbon are the only three coming back. So... Generally, you try to look at that replay, get a sense, you know, who was helped in certain situations, who was hurt, and then adjust your play from there. Tom Dick Girardi here on Sparky's Midday Madness on 1250 AM, The Fan. So we talked about those top three horses. Is there a long shot that you kind of like for those people listening? Yeah, I think it's very likely to come down to the three we mentioned. But if you're looking for a long shot, I bet the nine, that's perfectly named (laughs) risk-taking. Like it. Uh, yeah, pretty good form until the last race. It's just a dreadful race in the Wood Memorial. and I'm not sure what happened there, but if he can come back to his prior form, then he's going to have a chance. I don't think that's how win, but maybe second or third. So, horse to you're using to try back to Check out the uh, Preakness Stakes coming up tomorrow on the fan broadcast. Starts at 4 o'clock. And, of course, you can follow Dick Girardi on Twitter as well. Thanks so much for coming on. Appreciate it. You got it. Thank you. You bet. You take care. There he is, Dick Girardi, uh, courtesy of betonline.ag, joining us on the Great Midwest Bank hotline of applying for a home renovation loan. As you're feeling anxious, breathe. Great Midwest Bank help you experience a state of tranquility. Get started at greatmidwestbank.com. Well, there you go. See, you may have just heard a rule change possibly happen in horse racing. Because of something I brought up to Girardi. Because Girardi is very, well, very very well respected around the horse racing industry. And who knows? Maybe, just maybe, they'll change the rules. So if you cheat as a trainer in the Derby, 
Maybe then you don't get to have your horse in the Preakness. You get suspended from the Preakness in any winnings. Maybe if you cheat in the Derby, you won't get to participate in the Derby the following year. If that rule comes to be off of that Girardi column that he's going to write because of what I just brought up, man, that'd be pretty cool stuff. Uh, All right, coming up next, uh, we are going to talk with uh, one of my favorite people. Not just interviews, just in general people. Like, You'll never run across a person that does not like Marcus Hanel, the former Brewers bullpen coach. He's one of the nicest people in the whole wide world, and I can't wait to talk to him coming up next. First, let me tell you about my friends over at Young Express. Uh, Now, Young Express is looking for full-time independent contractors. We're talking about you becoming a successful transporter of expedited freight. Now, what does that mean? Well, that means that you go from point A to point B, right? So you pick up freight at point A, put it in your vehicle, drive to point B and drop it off. The cool thing about this is, is you're driving for a career. That's what this is. It's a career. And you can pick which way you want to go, right? Do you want to drive locally? You know, within like 250 miles of Milwaukee. Do you want to drive regionally, like in the Midwest? Or do you want to go over the road or what I like to call nationwide? Coast to coast, no matter where it is, you're driving. Now, again, in fairness, you should know that you know, the more distance you're driving, the more money you're capable of making. So those nationwide drivers are really making really, really, really good money. But you can still make really good money just driving locally or regionally uh, as well. 99% no-touch freight. The freight's loaded and offloaded for you, so all you have to do is drive. Join the Young Express team today. You can find them at youngexpress.com. That's J-U-N-G express.com. J-U-N-G Express.com. Young Express. Success drives them. Welcome in. It is Sparky's Midday Madness here on 1250 AM. The Fan. Steve Sparky Fiverr with you. Other side of the glass, Sam Schmitz, executive producer, doing a great job filling in for Dan Plucker. He'll return on Monday. And don't forget Bart Winkler filling in for Rami Makhlouf coming up next from 3 to 6 on The Rami Show. Don't go anywhere there. And... The Packers' first-round pick apparently had quite a a good press conference uh, earlier today at the rookie camp. We'll hear from him coming up uh, in the next. I'm going to play some of that back for you. Joining us now, though, one of my favorite people. I said it before. Not just interviews, but just people in general. Uh, He is Marcus Hanel, former uh, bullpen coach for the Milwaukee Brewers. Marcus, thanks for coming on, man. Appreciate it. Hey, Sparky. Thank you for having me. Congratulations on all the shows, your show's success. That's really cool to see what's going on with you guys. Absolutely. Thanks so much uh, for that. Uh, okay, so I, I want to get down to some of these guys because obviously you know a lot of these pitchers that are having the success uh, that they're having right now. Let's start off with Woodruff first. Uh, at what point do, do you think you realize just how good that he could be? Well, I think uh, it goes back to, like, even in the minors, guys, the talk was, man, this guy throws a power sinker, live arm, really goes at you, and uh, you guys will be impressed the way he works and goes at it. And He came up with a very already mature sense of pitching. Um, I don't know if that's because of his college days or whatnot, but uh, um, it's the way he commanded himself, the way he worked. Uh, you knew you had something special there. Corbin Burns. This is something I need really an explanation on, right? Because he was really good out of the pen. Then they move him to the rotation, struggles, struggles to the point he gets sent to the minors, struggles to the point then they pull him out of the minors and they send him to this pitching lab that none of us have ever been inside of. Uh, And all of a sudden, they apparently fix him. 
and he does great during the pandemic-shortened season last year, competing for a Cy Young, and looks like he's on his way to competing for a Cy Young again. I can't think of another player that I remember that had that roller coaster type of a three year span like Corbin Burns. Yeah, that's a, uh, it, it, going back to when he first came up, anyone who caught him would say this guy's stuff is electric. Um, you stuff wise, there was nobody better. And I, I mean, he had a fastball in the mid to upper 90s that always cut. That was his fastball. So the one thing in baseball, there's always adjustments. So um, he didn't have anything that really ran in on righties or away from lefties. So um, hitters were, even though he threw as hard as he did and had uh, major nasty stuff, these hitters could have confidence to go over the plate. Well, now he's developed uh, an opportunity to, with that two-seamer and these other pitches uh, to work both sides of the plate, and hitters can't be as comfortable um, as they used to be. Um, it's funny, you know, you hear someone throw 97 and feel comfortable um, but, yeah, all of a sudden you work both sides of the plate. You have pitches to get out, in and out, and it changes the dynamic of everything. And this guy goes at you. He's a competitor. So uh, um, this is a guy, like, you wouldn't want to be in a room with. Like, if you had to, I mean, this guy goes at you. So uh, I'm so happy for these guys, the success they're having, and uh, all the hard work is paying off. Let's talk about Freddie Peralta. There's another guy that – has had his ups and downs along the way. I think everybody knew he had a lot of talent coming into this thing. Uh, has had a couple of tries in the rotation. Hasn't worked out. They put him in the bullpen. He pitched better than maybe he was in the rotation. And now this year, uh, it's all seemingly working together finally. Yeah, again, you know, when Freddie first came up, he was just a fastball pitcher, you know, uh, high fastball and, and missed bats up in the zone. Um, you know, and uh, as a starter, you got to have a couple more pitches to, to get around the uh, order. Um, and so, for whatever reason, when he started, his velocity was always low coming out of the – as a starter. Like, he'd be throwing 88, 89, and it took him like two innings to get back to, like, his velo. And I don't know why that was. Um, we tried different things with him. Um, it didn't work out. Um, but now I'm watching, you know, he's coming out of the – uh, starts uh, and going after you with the hard fastball, but he's developed other pitches, and so those development of those pitches are going to make hitters a lot less likely to focus on one pitch and have the success that uh, they used to have. I'm talking with Marcus Hamill, former Brewers bullpen catcher here on Sparky's Midday Madness. The Brewers, obviously, have been going through a rash of injuries. They had like 16 guys on the IL, something I've never seen before for the baseball team. And at one point, both starting catchers were out, Narvaez and Manny Pena. And then you're bringing up uh, guys from the minors to try and from the alternate site to to come up and try and catch these guys. How big of a deal is that for a starting pitcher who has to work with a catcher that maybe they've never worked with before? Yeah, there's definitely, uh, you know, a little rhythm that goes on with uh, a catcher and a pitcher that you're familiar with throughout uh, uh, longevity of time, you know, Manny's built a repertoire with the pitchers, and you kind of start to think what the pitcher's going to want to throw in situations, or your same scouting report, like where you want to go. You know, young, uh, another guy who hasn't been involved this much, man, you're, you you got a lot going on. Like, I, I'm not quite sure, does he want to throw this pitch here? And so all of a sudden, there comes some doubt, a little bit of shaking off, and then you go in that rhythm, and, and you fight through that a little bit. Um, so there is a big deal to make relationship. I mean, that's always spring training. Like, catchers and pitchers spend a lot of time, um, not just on the field, but in the rooms, uh, getting to know each other, uh, trying to, like, figure out, like, in certain situations, what do you want to throw? And um, so that 
that makes him more confident in those situations. Like if I really feel something as a catcher, like needs to be thrown in this situation, man, he's got confidence in throwing it and whatever it may be. So it goes a long way. Now we talk about the guys that are coming out of the pen, and obviously the main guy coming out of the pen and has been one of the most dominant relievers in the last couple of years is Josh Hader. Uh, talk to us about Josh Hader and, and from the time you got him uh, in that bullpen to where he is now. You know, yeah, you see him coming out of, out of that bullpen, and he's uh, just a go-get-him guy. You know, he's got that different arm angle, comes across his body, so he gives you a different uh, – as a hitter, it just it comes at a different angle to you. It makes it difficult to hit. But one thing I'm seeing this year I'm really impressed with is his velo um, uh, coming out a little hotter than normal. Um, and also that slider has developed into quite a pitch along with, I don't know if he's throwing a splitty or kind of a change occasionally. So um, it, it's impressive the repertoire of pitches these guys are coming up with, and it's just changing the whole, the whole lot of what hitters can uh, cheat on and sit on. Tell me a little bit about um, when the season ends, right? And in basketball and football, I guess the same thing, you have their exit interviews or whatever after the season ends. What is that like from a pitcher perspective as far as do you have guys that are told, hey, I want you to go kind of work on this new pitch or I want you to work on this in the offseason? Does that happen between the pitching coach uh, and the pitchers? Oh, yeah, at the end of the season, you you get a chance to talk, you know, with, at the time, Council and what's well, now Hookie, those guys, out of the pen, Carson. So, end of the season, they already have a plan, like, hey, this is what we want you to do. And along with their strength coach, um, all these other needs, you know, too, like, hey, we need you to get stronger in this area. Maybe your core's not strong enough. Um, we need you to develop a little more, you know, sh- shoulder strength, whatever it may be. They come up with something, they, this is your goal for the winter, and these are the things that we want you to attain. And, um, you know, and now, I mean, you know, even Andy Haynes is going out across the country visiting guys and kind of keeping up with them. And uh, so, yeah, it's a, the game has changed. You know, you used to show up in spring training. Here I am. I'm ready to go. But now while uh, there's constant contact um, and seeing your progress throughout the winter. The other thing that – and you bring up Andy Haynes – as far as, you know, he's been under fire because this offense has been struggling, obviously, at this point. And I had Craig Council on uh, the big show with me, Gary, and Leroy, and I asked him a question, and I think he took it the wrong way and thought I was being a smart aleck, and I really wasn't. I really do am curious, wanting to know the answer to this. And, and that is that hitting coach's job, right? Because having been in that clubhouse over the years – you know, you talk to some hitting coaches that have been in that organization, and it's like, you know, somebody's struggling. That guy doesn't want to talk to me. He says he'll figure it out. He's been around long enough. And, okay, fine. But fan doesn't know that. The fan thinks it's the hitting coach's fault while that guy's in a hitting slump and behind the scenes. That guy doesn't want anything to do with the hitting coach and says he can figure it out himself. So, really, day-to-day, really, how involved are the hitting coaches as far as getting guys ready for that day's pitcher, getting guys ready for the, the guys coming out of the bullpen? Uh, are they just involved in just working on mechanics before the game? Or what, what really do they do? To be honest, if there's one job in baseball I would not want to be, it is a hitting instructor. Um, that hitting coach is there before noon. He is getting the scouting reports from up in the office, uh, who they think is going to pitch, what lineup they think they're going to put out there. Um, so he's going through that. Um, then you got guys who are routine guys. There are certain guys, no matter how they're swinging, are going to come in and get their regular routine in. 
Then there's guys, like you said, who it's like they're allergic to going to the cage. You're like you really got to pull them to get in there to work on, thing, on things. So you wait for them to almost be broken and have them come to you. Um, so And then there's some guys who've had success doing things for a long time, and they're not making adjustments, and they think they're going to get out of it. And you try to talk to them about it, and you really got to gain confidence in them trusting you so they can listen and say, all right, all right I'm going to make these minor, minor tweaks. Um, but these hitting coaches through the whole course of the day, and they're running back and forth. This guy wants this. All right, I'm heading there. They're, they're, I mean, they really are servants to, to what the players want, the type of information that hitters want. Some guys want a lot of information from the, about the pitcher. Some guys go, hey, my swing's right. I don't care who's throwing. I feel I'm going to go up there and mash. So there, there's so many different types of psychology ways you've got to manage these players. Um, and it can be very difficult on a hitting coach. You know, it's interesting you bring that up as far as everybody is different. I remember when, when Ryan Braun was there, you know, you have all these guys uh, pregame available to the media. He'd be off hitting in the cages before every game and doing his work that he did every day. Um, and then you hear uh, Christian Yelich. I don't know if I can remember another hitter in the last 10, 15 years that brings up working with a hitting coach as much as Christian Yelich has the last couple of years. Yeah, um, Christian is, uh, you know, again, he's one of those routine guys, right? Like, so it's crazy, like, as good a hitter as he is, like, he still needs that reinforcement of his regular routine. Um, where there's some guys who are like, I feel good, I give me 10 swings today, I'm loose, let's go. Um, so it does vary in that, in that response, you know what I mean? And then there's some guys who are like, after games, <laughs> they're like, man, I got to get this thing figured out before I leave. Right. And uh, after the game, you'll hear the batting cage uh, being peppered with balls. You're like, who is in there at 12 o'clock at night, you know? And, uh, you know, each guy's so different. And, again, the hitting coach is available for these guys all day until everyone's gone. So really, at the end of the day, this – as far as the fans and getting all over the hitting coach, because he is the person they always get over if the offense isn't going right, it doesn't sound like it's necessarily all on the hitting coach if these guys aren't playing well. No, I think it still has to do a lot with philosophy, too. You know, the game's changed, especially in the last 10, 15 years, right? Like, everything is a walk, a homer, or a strikeout, right? And that's how those big boys are getting paid. You know, the guys who are getting on base anymore, um, who set the table, um, man, it's like they're almost getting, uh, I, you know, a story. There's a story. We had a guy on our club, and he was instrumental to us getting to the playoffs. And because he didn't have a lot of hard contact, but he had base hits. and base, He was hitting over 300, um, you know, and uh, that guy sets the table. He changes the whole dimension of the, of the whole game by being a threat on the base path, um, a guy who, like, hey, might steal. Now the pitcher's got a quick pitch doesn't get the same rhythm. Uh, those are little things that change the game that gets overlooked. He's putting pressure on this pitcher to make a great pitch. Um, but now that gets overlooked. He gets ridiculed because he's got soft contact. And now his game changes. Like, oh, I guess i got to be this different type of hitter, yep. right? i got to be a doubles hitter. And so that's what's changed to me. You know, back in the day, if you struck out, man, that was put your – I mean, that, you didn't, that wasn't like okay. Now it's okay to strike out. You know, and those are little things. You talk about small ball. Small ball doesn't have to be bunt the guy over. Small ball can be like, hey, there's a runner on second with no outs. Man, I'm going to try to approach where I'm going to stay inside the ball, and I'm going to try to hit behind the runner so he gets the third. And with one out, 
but possibility percentage-wise, you want to use analytics, there's a lot more chances to score from third with one out, pass ball, wild pitch, something stupid, a small uh, hitter with makes a check swing, roll, whatever. Um, you get a run in, man, that's, that can be small ball, sack fly. And then you do add-on runs, not just not trying to mash home runs. Now you're doing little add-on runs. It's 3 nothing, 4 nothing. All of a sudden, the opposing manager is going, you know what, I'm using my big boys out of the pen today. So now you're saving your, yourself from facing like guys from the office, like a, whoever you want to say, like those hard throwers coming out or their studs. So those are just different little ways that you can avoid facing the studs all the time, too. So And it's twofold. I don't want to say that's as, as easy as that because, man, these – these pitchers are specialists now. You're coming out of the fifth, sixth inning, and guys are throwing 97. But man, if you can have, if you could be winning, man, they're going to be blowing up your, your their top three guys out of the pen, and it's a little easier going. No question. No, that was all very, very good. No question. He is Marcus Hanel, again, former Brewers bullpen catcher. Uh, joining us here on Sparky's Midday Madness on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline. So I get it all the time. What is Marcus Handel up to now? Is he still in the area? What is Marcus Handel doing? Because before we get into what you're doing, I mean, that Coos for Kids charity that you do and the dinner that you do uh, is is just so appreciated by so many people, and you do such a great job with it, Marcus. And for those people that don't know what that's all about, uh, go ahead and explain it. Yeah, it's a, uh, you know, it's been a little challenging with the COVID right. restricted with some, but I do know there's some great organizations who came through and been helping and uh, just uh, giving us uh, the funds just to kind of continue to help kids in need. So, Cruise for Kids, we help terminally ill, disadvantaged kids in southeastern Wisconsin. We have Challenger Baseball League that we're really excited about in August. We're going to get the clearance. Uh, to start that up again, and uh, we'll be having that receipt. Now, hold on one second. Hold on. I know what it is because I have kids in baseball, but explain what the, a challenger league is. Yeah, so these are for kids like who some kind of like, uh, you know, uh, a disability um, that they're not able to play in a regular baseball league. You know, even my autism, anything it can be that holds them back. Maybe they actually have a, a life-threatening disease and um, so we get a chance to go out and play ball with these kids. Each kid gets a, 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 actually a buddy, and they go out on the field and play some ball. And it's, it's pretty miraculous, you know, to see, like, these kids actually going out there, uh, becoming friends with uh, other kids, and parents seeing their kids play ball as if there's just nothing going on and yep. kind of escape from everything. So um, we're very fortunate to be able to do that. And we have great stories about, man, my kids never really spoken or whatever, and now all they can say is ball and um, grandparents getting to see their kids do things they never thought they would do. So along with that, we even have a bowling league that's been as, as successful as that. But those are little things there, and along with uh, kind of like a make-a-wish for some of the terminal ill kids where we try to help them out individually with needs that they might have. If people want to help out Coos for Kids, how do they do it? Uh, yeah, you can check out the website that's getting restructured. Um, Coosforkids.com. Actually, I might even mess that up right now because it's under construction. Um, but it's coos for kids might be dot. Ah, jeez, I messed that up. I apologize. Um, but uh, look that up. Uh, it'll direct you uh, some way to uh, get you there, and uh, we will be able to use whatever you can. Volunteers are always needed as well. So um, we just want to be able to help these kids make their wishes come true in any way they can around here. All right. Now, for those people that want to know what Marcus Handel has been up to, what have you been up to? Well, you know, uh, I get to be a dad now. I never uh, knew how much I missed. Uh, my girls are graduating. My boys are playing baseball. I get to see baseball games. I get to be home. 
Um, so I'm helping out with baseball clubs. And But uh, my other job now, I'm a real estate agent. Uh, it's a whole different world, um, but I'm enjoying that. Um, it's fun. Um, it's challenging for me. It's all new. Um, so, yeah, anybody wants a, a realtor to help you, you know, hit that home run, uh, you know, at your house, uh, um, Marcus at uh, SunRealtyWI.com. So uh, thanks for that little plug. Are, are you uh, are you are you like giving lessons to kids and stuff too on the side or no? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Uh, I run at uh, the Hitters Academy, uh, so I'll be able to work out there. Um, so I'll do lessons. Uh, I've been doing it uh, since uh, November of uh, last year now, and it's uh, been pretty a lot of fun. I didn't know I would have so much fun. Uh, working individually with all these kids. It's uh, been a blast. They're coming from all over. It's not just the academy kids. It's from everywhere, from uh, kids in rec, kid, rec programs to kids from all across, from Illinois. To, sure. It's been a blast. It's been a lot of fun. So, yeah, that's, it's been really neat. That's awesome. Marcus Handel, one of my favorite people. Thanks so much for coming on, man. I appreciate you. Hey, Sparky, thank you. Continued success to you guys. You betcha. Take care. There he is, Marcus Handel, the Great Midwest Bank Hotline. We're applying for a home renovation loan as you're feeling anxious. Just breathe. And let Great Midwest Bank help you experience a state of tranquility. Get started at greatmidwestbank.com. Coming up next here from the Packers' first-round draft pick as he spoke just a little while ago to the assembled media of the Green Bay Packers. Don't go anywhere. Rami Show with Bart Winkler coming up at 3. Welcome in. It is Sparky's Midday Madness coming up uh, in just a couple of minutes. will be Bart Winkler with the Rami Show. Don't go anywhere there. But first, a couple of minutes, we'll let you hear to, to Packers first round pick Eric Stokes, uh, who's at rookie camp for Green Bay. We played back Matt LaFleur earlier on the big show. Now you can hear a couple of minutes of Eric Stokes. I'm not playing the whole thing. Bart needs wants to get it started on his show as soon as possible. Bart said, 3 o'clock promptly, Sparky. I have lots to talk about for the next three hours. So here is Eric Stokes talking with the Assembled Media earlier. Maybe, if I can play it. There We've we heard about just how unbelievably fast you are. We know you're long and long leopard and everything else. But if you see what scouts say, they all, they seem to question your ball skills a little bit. Is that something that A, you think you do need to work on and B, how do you improve if that's in any way fair criticism? I mean, like, everybody got a flaw and then, of course, like, that's one of mine. So, like, I just got to go ahead and keep improving it and keep working at it. So, like, I'm just going to continue every day, just get better with balls. So, like, they throwing me balls. They be doing a lot of ball drills here and all that stuff. So, I can, so I pretty much can continue to just work on it and just get way more comfortable with it. Mike Spofford. Hey, Eric, welcome to Green Bay. Um, what, uh, what was it like to put a Packers jersey on for the first time and – uh, what's your uh, early impression of Coach Gray? Oh, man, first of all, like, just to put a pack of jerseys on, you know, I'm coming from Georgia, and now I'm in Green Bay, so I'm just switching to G, and you, you know, I'm, I'm just getting, like, a little different color. Instead of the red and black, I'm going with the green and yellow, so it's just a whole different G, but it's just still amazing. It's still a historical history behind here that I keep learning about every day, and then just working with Coach Gray is just amazing to it. I know for a fact he's going to break it down. He's going to do everything uh, slow, so like just making sure that you got the concept overall and just throwing you in there, just th- uh, just let you go. So like he's breaking it down, and he's just getting you used to everything. Match Nyman. Eric, I'm wondering if you've had a chance to to chat with uh, some of the corners already on the team. Jair, Kevin, have have you been able to catch up with any of them in the past couple weeks since you got drafted? 
Oh yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like I know like both of them reached and, and reached out to me just like they gave me their cell and all that stuff to where like pretty much you, you already know like they just said if I got any questions or anything, just go ahead and be the first one to hit to hit them up and all that stuff. So we just go ahead and build this relationship. MK Burgess. Eric, what's been one thing that Coach Gray, even in this first day of practice, kind of t- said to you that really hit home? Oh, uh, pretty much like this one, just like this league, like just all about control to where like you're not trying to beat the guy up, you're not trying to do none of that stuff like how you did like how we did in the college where you try to aggressive manhandle all that stuff. It's just based about being controlled. Just 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 do everything underneath control because like pretty much control wins you everything. So me just staying underneath control, being like comfortable with everything, everything else go work out is fine. Mark Daniels. Harry hey Eric, welcome to Green Bay. Uh you know I kinda asked you this I think after the draft too, but do you feel like you've gone against NFL wide receivers for the last couple of years just in the SEC? Oh, yeah, hands down. Like, I'm going to keep saying this. I believe the SEC is the best conference. Like, they're just – I'm being biased because I'm in it. I'm the front of SEC, but I'm going to continue being that way to where I believe SEC has some of the best talent, got some of the best talent. Therefore, to where, like, now just, like, just another step to the NFL to where, like, that's pretty much what's the NFL in college. There he is, uh, Eric Stokes, Packers' number one pick from earlier today, uh, talking to the assembled media at the Packers' rookie camp. You'll be seeing pictures and quotes and tweets and Instagram posts and everything else all weekend long from the Packers' rookie camp. So we'll have that to talk about on Monday when we come back for the Wendy's Big Show and then, of course, Sparky's Midday Madness as well. Don't forget, Brickness comes up tomorrow, 4 o'clock. Will Medina Spirit be able to win the second jewel of the Triple Crown? We'll find that out tomorrow at 4 o'clock here on the fan. Up next, the Rami Show featuring the one and only Bart Winkler. You will not want to miss this. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.